Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Group Text. As many of you know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. I have been a mental health advocate and suicide prevention advocate for almost 30 years now since I lost my dad to suicide. Um, And we have great people on this show all the time. And one of our favorite guests, Cassandra Bankson, who's a medical esthetician and acne sufferer, reached out to Sabrina and me and said she wanted to talk about mental health. And not just about, you know, beauty and outward health, the the health we see, and talk about her journey with mental health and 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 why she feels compelled to speak out about it. Cassandra, welcome. Hi, Melissa, Sabrina. It's great to be back, and thank you for creating a space where we can discuss the tough stuff. Exactly. So, talk to me. What? Why do you suddenly, or not necessarily suddenly, want to start having an open conversation about mental health and how it pertains to you? Well, Melissa, I've always appreciated you being so open with, you know, suicide prevention advocacy and, you know, you sharing personal stories on your social media. For myself, growing up with severe and chronic cystic acne, um, I judged myself horrendously for the way I looked and I was, you know, driven to very unhealthy mental behaviors due to those insecurities. And we always like to talk about beauty. I know that tweakments and makeup and fashion are fun. And it's because we use these things to help us identify and present who we are to the world. But I think that when people live with a skin condition or any other condition that impacts their mental health, it really impacts how we choose to interact with people around us. Um, And there's so many people who are quiet about it. I mean, I'm thinking back to when I was a 16 year old being bullied in school, judging myself even harder than the kids around me. If I had someone who had acne who was talking about feeling depressed or suicidal, um, it probably would have made me feel a lot less alone and reach out for help earlier. And what kind, what, what is your story with mental health? What has been your journey? Mental health in my family was always something we didn't talk about. My mother came from an alcoholic family, and there are still a lot of things that I don't understand on that side. Um, Growing up, we didn't talk about depression. We didn't talk about what would happen if we wanted to harm ourselves. We didn't talk about people who saw or hear things differently, right? right? And so when I was a teenager, desperately struggling with my identity, not wanting to get up every day. I remember there were like 30 days in the end of a school year that I didn't even shower or brush my teeth. And I look back and like people judge me, right? I judge myself. I'm like, oh, that's disgusting. But if you can't bring yourself to get up out of bed, (laughs) how are you supposed to reach out to help? Or how are you supposed to know that this is a problem, right? Right. And that it's okay to to seek that. Right. Did did anyone though, your most times families try to it's so there's stigmas and taboos 
it's it's so easy just to kind of take a blind eye, you know, to what's going on around you and just not address it, especially when it comes to mental health. Did did anyone in your family or any of your friends at that time notice that you were showing sort of classic signs of depression? So, Melissa, this is a great question. Um, the answer is no, because we all hit it. I have siblings and cousins who struggle with struggled with substance abuse disorders, ADHD, schizophrenia, mental health issues, and we're all sitting here being quiet. I remember going to like Thanksgiving with my parents and my loving parents would always be like, now guys, be on your best behavior, you know, put a happy smile on. And as I grew older, I took that with me. I'm like, okay, in social media, put a happy smile on. You have acne, cover it up with makeup, like be this image that other people expect of you. But when are we allowed to check in with ourselves? When do we reach out to a friend? And if like, we're really struggling, I wish I would have realized earlier that it's okay to ask for help. And that's not weak, but that's strong. Yeah, but, um, what, you, but when you know better, you do better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like sometimes <laughs> you don't know that that's actually an avenue that you can, you know, go down. Yes. So I get that. So you were saying you were, you were going through this as a teenager and you, I mean, you didn't want to get up, you know, like you said, for 30 days straight, didn't wash your hair, didn't brush your teeth, none of those things. How did you get out of it? What, what was the point where you said, I need to get help? Oh, I'm embarrassed to say, Melissa, when I was a teenager and Sabrina, like when I was in high school and middle school being teased, I didn't know any better. Um, trigger warning to anyone who's listening. Uh, but I would like pick and scratch at my skin because it made me anxious. And I almost associated pain that came along with popping a pimple as relief. I understand that, by the way, (laughs) I understand that completely. I I completely understand that where you turn internal pain into physical pain Mm -hmm. because that you can cope with. Right. Yeah. And it's it's almost like an unconscious uh, shift where you just do it, you know? it becomes a habit. And it's like the way I've been able to describe it after, you know, learning and like getting therapy is, you know, think of it as like a lampshade versus a laser pointer. The lampshade of emotional pain is like all encompassing. It shines on every part of your being and every part of your day. And like, it's overwhelming. But if you were in a dark room with a laser pointer, that laser pointer is very specific. And for me, the physical pain that came along with, you know, starting to pop my pimples and then later progressing into physically hurting myself. Um, it was the way to focus and consolidate all of this stuff that I didn't know how to deal with. And that was not the most healthy. I was ashamed and embarrassed and it almost felt like an addiction or like a dirty secret, right? Mm-hmm. You don't want to tell other people. And Melissa, it wasn't until I was, you know, trying to pursue medicine in college and like being an adult, I was, I'd been hospitalized uh, three times in different psychiatric facilities. And that's when I actually got help when I was forced to, because I didn't realize this was an issue. Checked in by someone who cares about you, or did you realize I need to really go get some serious help? Yeah. Cause it yeah. sounds like it had escalated to a point, you know, where you, d- you needed the medical intervention. I really did. And Sabrina, what's crazy about that is, you know, in studying medicine or being passionate about medical aesthetics and helping people look and feel their best, you know, it's one thing to research and understand things like ADHD and schizophrenia, but you can't self-diagnose, right? And you almost don't even realize when you're going through it. 
you don't even, you say, oh, that could never happen to me. Or like, you know, you either, <laughs> you try to deflect. So what, the first time it was someone else. Yeah, someone else. Time. And what were you, what were the warning signs? Do you mind sharing with us sort of your, that, that first time? Yeah. You know, when you feel depressed, I've, I've heard it be described as like a dark shadow or like a dark dog that just follows you around. And while that's true, there's also crippling anxiety that can come along with it. And being online, you know, having people praise me for my acne and like, I have 2 million followers online. There are people that love me that I don't even know. And some people praise me and follow me for no reason whatsoever. And I don't deserve that. Right. And simultaneously, there are others that judge you and criticize you from the way you talk to your vocal fry to the way you look. And all of that compounding sent me into a spiral of anxiety. Um, imagine like walking down a set of stairs and skipping one. It's like that stomach drop that you're following, that you're falling. It just doesn't stop. And that to me is what a panic attack is like. It feels like the world is crumbling in on you. And when my friends couldn't get a hold of me for eight days, I wasn't showing up to classes. I wasn't posting on social media. I wasn't responding to texts. My last YouTube videos had been you know, a bit spacey and elusive, they realized that something was wrong. And um, I was severely depressed and trying to feel something through hurting myself. And um, medical intervention really saved my life because I didn't realize that I needed help or that it was even available. Um, were, were, you know. you, were you a willing, uh, were you willing to get the help or did they have to use a 5150? Yeah. So, um, I've been 5150'd and that is a term in psychiatry, which is in California an involuntary hold for the safety of yourself or others. And then one of those was turned into a 51 or a 5260 or 5160 where, which is um, after a period of three days, they found that, you know, I was not either mentally stable or I was not um, able to rehabilitate back into society without therapy or help. I needed guidance on my emotions or lack thereof. <laughs> and so you can stay for up to a period of month or, or longer and um, actually work and try to find a therapist who listens to you that you can connect to. Open up about feelings if you have them, you know, and if you don't like assess, do we need medication? Do we need talk therapy? Do we need a combination? Because this happens to people. Being human is an experience. And um, a lot more people go through this than we're willing to admit, especially online. So oh, I'm, I agree I'm with sure, you. I'm sure at the time, and this happens a lot, you had a lot of anger and resentment right in the beginning to your friends. I'm, did, were you, did you go oh, through yeah. the thing where I'm fine, <laughs> stop telling me I'm fine? Yes. It was one of those things where this crippling anxiety would follow me around all the time. I remember vividly having a panic attack in a car at a stoplight. And here I am, 16, thinking that the person in the car next to me was judging me for my acne. And I freeze up and I'm in the middle of an intersection and I'm blocking traffic. And my friends, after hearing about that, were like, hey, you have to get help. Like, you're not okay. And to me, being teased for my acne, being called, you know, Rocky Road, connect the dots, like freak of nature. It was just like, okay, now my friends are turning on me. My friends, you know, think I'm just as ugly and stupid as worthless as everyone else in school. And like, as an adult, when saying those things, I'm like, oh my God, this poor child, right. no one deserves to speak to themselves like that. Like Sabrina, I would never talk to you or Melissa like that. Right. Why do we do that to ourselves? Right. I know, but it just, just listening to your story, it truly did just escalate and it just took on 
like it became like this whole snowball effect where it's like there you felt like you were continuously being judged and then it escalated into an anxiety and it just it took on a whole life of its own did you feel like this was normal like had you lived with it so long that you were having trouble disseminating if these were new emotions that needed help or did you really in your head think this is normal Exactly. It was kind of like what you said, Sabrina. I grew up with this, not knowing any different. I saw my family hiding all of this. You know, we just, I I felt like I came from chaos and I didn't want to disappoint anyone by telling them. Like the way I looked was a burden enough. I didn't want to, you know, bother people with my problems on top of that. The second two times you mentioned there were three incidents that you, you went to the hospital what yeah. did, did was this uh, which was the time that you said you've had both that you realized you needed to check yourself in yes so after you know i started studying and learning a little bit more about myself and my personal triggers you know there's certain things that i was taught to look for through therapy we don't always realize how we're feeling until someone else helps us explore that and explain that right pain to right. me could be very different than pain to you why do i feel this obsession to pick at my skin or why does my internal narrator tell me such horrible things that aren't true if someone tells me you know oh you have like a horse face and it's very elongated um you know i can look at myself in a picture and my videos are all over online and i can be like okay that's not going to bother me today but on a bad day it's impossible um well, i mean so so which time was there you said three times which yeah. was the time that you realized i'm i'm spiraling and i need help yeah the times that i realized i was spiraling and needed help i was completely overwhelmed at school I was completely overwhelmed with what people were saying to me online about the way I looked. You know, on a good day, people can give me criticism about my appearance and I'm fine. But on a bad one, those things sting and they bring up the feelings of being 16. And when I'm in a car um, driving, you know, that's a normal experience that everyone has. If you have this overwhelming instinct or this overwhelming urge to just pull a wheel to the side and see what happens. Like for me today, it's, it's, I'm sweaty. Like I'm, my palms are glistening. Like I'm terrified to talk about this because it feels so horrible. But it's so important. Just so you know, number one, I'm very safe to talk about it too. And it's, you're, you know, you're successful. You have 2 million followers. You have a platform to help, which is why it's so important that you're talking about this. Absolutely. Because we, I mean, we know we live in a very judgy culture society and it does affect us. We want to say it doesn't, but it does. But in your case, it was so, it was deeper. And from such an early on, it really became a part of your existence and that's what's not okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and I want to go back to, so when you knew it was time that you personally had to say, I, I need help, I need to go check in or I need to reach out, really get deeply into therapy. Yeah. Um, when I had those urges to hurt myself or others, and I realized that, okay, this is an issue. You can't get angry at someone who calls you a name online. You can't direct that towards yourself. Driving down the road, like even if you have an overwhelming urge to just yank the wheel to the right on the freeway and see what happens, you can't hurt yourself or others like that. And that's when I realized, hey, these triggers are really intense. This is an extraordinarily strong feeling, almost like if you're underwater and gasping for air, this is not normal. This is not okay. 
And it wasn't until getting help that first time that I realized, okay, maybe, maybe I can call someone, like maybe I can figure this out. Yeah, therapy was something that I was initially forced to do. And it wasn't something that really stuck around with me, like this group therapy or trying to talk to other people. Um, that wasn't a fit for me, whereas it might be for others. For me, it was a little bit of trauma therapy, like realizing that I have some form of atypical like PTSD, post-traumatic stress. I can't even drive by the street that my old high school was on without freezing behind the wheel. But speaking with therapists, understanding where these emotions come from, why they aren't rooted in reality, and using coping mechanisms like, you know, grounding myself or realizing that I have control over my actions and these thoughts don't, that's been so helpful. And therapy, like, has been the best money that I've ever spent. And I wish that it was spoken about more because it would have been, it would have saved me so much time and anguish to get that help earlier. Yeah, I completely understand. At least you were willing to do the work because, you know, sometimes we get into therapy and when it really starts, when the page turns and we really got to dig deep, we really got to get in there. That's a hard thing for us to face sometimes. And it sounds like you were so ready to not have that be your norm. Yeah, I think I almost felt like resorting to therapy was a failure, right? We hear, or at least we see in movies and media, like, you know, the depressed person who's the mass murderer or, you know, these, these people who do horrible things and it's tied with mental illness. And while that can be, you know, uh, an element of it for a very small subset of people, a lot of people who are depressed or anxious, like they, they don't even speak about it and they're hurting themselves or they're struggling, but they're ashamed to speak up or get help thinking that therapy won't help or thinking that like a therapist will judge you, right? Is that not like a feeling we all have? <laughs> yeah. By the way, absolutely. I'm always just like, there's times where I'm like, oh my God, my therapist is going to kill me because I know <laughs> that I've handled something badly. And it's just like, okay, I know I did it wrong. But it, it's it's interesting what you talk about, about learning your triggers and knowing when you need to reach out for help. And I think, you know, I, I have certain things that when I have certain emotions and start to feel a certain way, I know I have to reach out. You know, after my father passed away, I, you know, started, you know, down the self-harm path. Mm -hmm. And I know, the, I understand the release of it. It was, you know, after my dad's suicide, and it's like I couldn't cope with the internal pain. So external pain was something that I could deal with. And, um, you know, I know for me when... I hit that point where that, it, I hate to use the word crave, but it's mm -hmm. something that I is suddenly in my mind, I know it's time to pick up a phone. You know, it, it's so important that you've learned that about yourself. And especially in the, in the way we live now, like you talk about, you can't, I can't look, ask Sabrina, I can't look at pictures of myself. I can't watch anything. <laughs> I will only see the most horrible thing about me. I, you know, I have an all mirrored closet and all I do is run in there with my eyes closed. You know, <laughs> it's an ongoing thing where I just abhor my own appearance. And I think most people, if you really, you know, push them would say they don't, you know, they feel the same way. But it's learning to um, cope or as Sabrina likes to say, accept when all of us suddenly <laughs> hit a certain age and our metabolism started running in reverse. Yes. And I, Sabrina's like, just accept your curves. I'm like, never, never will I do this. Yeah. Um, 
So it's hard. We all live under so much pressure. Where are you now? Besides that you're in a good enough place to be talking about it. And I hope realizing how important your voice is. It's so important. (laughs) Thank you. Um, It's definitely been like a 360. Sabrina told about like, you know, accepting it. I've learned that I can't fight my depression. I have to navigate it. Kind of like a wave in the ocean, right? You can't stop it from coming, but if you get on a surfboard or if you decide to go with it, you can survive it. And it's not something that's going to be all consuming. Um, I've been been self-harm free for four years now, which has been Congratulations. That's amazing. (laughs) Do you have a great therapist that you love? I do. You know, he's also a therapist who understands some of the triggers that I have from childhood, kind of helping me identify how that's an issue. And even though I've largely come to accept myself, like I, all of my YouTube videos nowadays are filmed without foundation. And that is something that I never could have done when I was younger. I show my scars and my acne up close. And even on Instagram, I post my body with stretch marks and cellulite next to the Photoshopped photo. Cause I want to show people like, Hey, you know, this is what models and magazines look like, but this is also reality and what Photoshop can do. So he's been amazing. And I think that where I'm at now, like I still have bad days. When I look at photos and videos from when I was younger, my heart starts racing. My hands get sweaty because I'm like almost brought back into what it feels like to be that 16 year old insecure girl who has an inner narrator who's constantly cutting her down. But then, you know, I can grab my other hand or I can wiggle my toes. And I remember I'm here, I'm safe, take a deep breath. That is not rooted in reality. And I've grown since then. And even speaking up about that, speaking up uh, publicly is not the same for everyone. But speaking up about that to a friend or a therapist, or for me, even sharing that online, I hope I hope helps other young women and young people who are struggling with their appearance and with their mental health realize that like this is a huge part of the human experience. And if you can talk about it, if you can get help, it's not a sign of weakness or no. failure. It is a sign of strength. Knowing that you need help is and and being open to accepting it is so key. How many therapists did you go through before you found the one that worked for you? Because they're all different. They're all different. You know, my therapist, you know, I've been using him for for years and years and years, and and it's because his ways work for me, and he knows so much about me at this point, it just would feel overwhelming to, to change. But I, you know, for me, it's sometimes it's about being, sometimes it's about making me feel better about myself. Very often it's, you know, making me deal with why, when I knew what the right answer was mm-hmm. or the right way to handle something, why did I do the opposite thinking that it was going to have a better outcome? And then also <laughs> accepting that sometimes I will call and say, you know what? I knew I should have done X, Y, Z, but ABC flew out of my mouth and I know I blew it. But at least, you know, now, you know, I I, I can see what I've done wrong and could be getting a different and better outcome if I followed instructions. Um, My mom's therapist, who she left, my mom could only work with a therapist that gave her a plan. Like my mother would say, not even homework. My mother would write down specific things. Like my mom and I were having a fight. She would talk to her therapist and I would find the notes later where she literally wrote down what the therapist told 
her to say to me. Like she needed a checklist to get to get through stuff. You know, everybody's different. So how many therapists did you go till you found one that the way they worked worked for you? Because I think yeah. people give up too early if, they, oh, if it's not an immediate match. Yeah, wow. I think, you know, Melissa, I actually started by avoiding it. I was kind of forced into group therapy as a child. Um, I wore all, all black. I had hoodies on. I purposely concealed both my face and my back because I had so much acne. But, um, you know, my teachers and my parents saw that and they were like, hmm, maybe you should go to like this after school talk program. And that gave me a horrible feeling of therapy because what happened in those programs are that we had this group chat, but when we would go out for snacks, kids would tease me about my blemishes. And um, I remember like walking into the bathroom and popping my pimples and associating and identifying with that pain. So for me, therapy started out like horrible, right? right? And then when you're in a facility, you're forced to speak with a therapist. Sometimes it felt rushed or sometimes like you have a therapist talking to you. I struggled a lot with my physical appearance, right? So you have a therapist speaking with you about beauty and it's this gorgeous drop dead person. And I'm like, okay, what do you know about acne or about like dealing with like body roles or dealing with issues? What are you talking about? Um, it took a lot of tries and I probably couldn't even count them on one hand, but I saw my cousin finally get therapy and get help. Again, we've all had things in our family that we've all ignored. She has been as a person, a real outlet for me. And when she started talking about how helpful therapy was for her, realizing that her parents aren't always right, realizing that it's okay to ask for help and that she's learning things about herself, I was like, okay. So I called up a few therapists, um, had a bunch of calls. There was one therapist who said, like, come meet me for a free session. Think of this like test driving a car. I don't want you to be hurt or feel ripped off. I actually want to make sure that I'm the right therapist for you. Mm -hmm. It's not just me. Like it's, you know, it's making sure that we both agree with each other. And he ended up being really versed in childhood and like teenage trauma therapy. He's worked with a lot of teens. And sometimes I think of myself as like, you know, an adult who still has like a teenage mindset trapped in my body. So that's been really awesome. And having, you know, a business where I help people with their skin and their appearance and still struggle with my own. Um, he's even able to help me navigate those workplace relationships, you know, and, and how I do and react in some of these situations. So it's been a godsend. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think the big takeaway from that is, you know, just like you have, you, you almost have to go on a couple dates with your therapist before you know if they're the right match. Right? <laughs> You know, I, I, I can't deal with someone who's going to say, well, how did that make you feel? Well, it made me feel shitty. Now, what do I do about it? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I don't need to analyze, you know, how did that make you feel? I know how it made me feel. But you know How what, do I get to the other side of it? It's also part, or part of the experience. You know, I think in most cases when we're dealing with life, sometimes you just want to know that you're not alone. Like you're not the only one that's fighting depression. You're not the only one that's fighting anxiety. And knowing that you're not alone helps you to get over that hurdle. And it's a start. So, you know, hats off to you, Cassandra, for like really stepping it up uh, and, and just reaching out, you know, based on your own experience. Well, thank you. It's a lot easier said than done, right? But it's those Always. little things. Yeah. Always. Well, I am so flattered on so many levels that you chose to share this with us. You will always have a platform to discuss 
well, pretty much anything you want to discuss because, you know, <laughs> between skincare and depression, you and I have a lot to talk we about. We have a ton. We got it We are so connected, Cassandra. Yeah, we are. And we adore you. And thank you so much for sharing this during Mental Health Awareness Month. <laughs> 